Keyboard Kimura AV Network is presented by OneBone. Fall is here, and OneBone has you covered when it comes to looking fresh as the temperatures start to cool. From numerous short sleeve styles and cuts, to long sleeve selections, hoodie options, the Essential Bomber, and the Trench Hoodie, OneBone has styles, colors, and sizes to meet all your needs this fall. As a supporter of the Keyboard Kimura AV Network, use promo code ESK10 at checkout. That's my initials, ESK, and the number 10 for 10% off your order. Based in Montreal, everything is Canadian made, but ships all over the world. So check out the website, onebone.com, or download the app and join the OneBone family today. OneBone, big and all. Salutations. Welcome back, everybody, to the Keyboard Kimura Audio Video Network. I am Spencer Kite, your friendly neighborhood Spencer Man. And these are the UFC Paris Punch Drunk Predictions. Dan Urban, this is for you. This is for everybody that has continued to support the video edition of these things and to support the audio edition of these things. I would sit here and lament not typing, but we're going to be honest. This takes a lot less time than sitting and typing out two or 3,000 words. I still have plenty of typing and writing that I do for my assignments for UFC.com and for OSDB Sports, various other projects that I do. So I still get to serve those creative impulses, those wordy impulses. But now we get to come here, jump on a video, jump behind the microphone and deliver it this way. Harry Powell wins as well. Shouts to Harry. He's back in London. He is back. Going to be back on the show, the next day takeaways on Sunday. But for now, we're going to set up what we're going to talk about potentially on on Sunday with a look at my selections for Saturday's fights. UFC Paris, Acor Arena starts at 9 a.m. Pacific time for me. So I love, as you all know, a little bit of breakfast and fisticuffs. It's good times. Let's just jump into it. Main event, Serial Gone and Tai Tuivasa in the heavyweight division scheduled for five rounds. I think Tuivasa has ways that he can win, but it takes being a, a just an absolute banshee. We talked about it on the Severe MMA Preview Show, myself, Io, and Harry earlier this week. And it was one of the things that I asked. It, it was my question in, in one question this week is how does Ty approach this fight? And I think if he's going to win, he needs to come out just and just be a berserker. Just throw caution to the wind. Just go out there and accept that this is my best best and maybe only path to victory and I'm going to go out there and just press forward and see what I can get done and if I get beat if he beats me either knocks me out takes me down and submits me takes me down and and pounds me out or beats me on the feet over 25 minutes so be it but this is this is the best way I can go about giving myself a chance to win do I think it will happen I do not think Cyril Gon probably wins this fight rather handily. I think he is the superior athlete. 
I think he is the better fighter in in all regards. I think Ty has obviously the the more sudden power, the more proven kind of one-shot power. He also has a great chin. But we've seen Cyril Gaon be able to go out and neutralize power hitters in the past with his volume, with his footwork, with his movements, with his ring generalship. And I think we see all of that on Saturday. I don't think there's, I don't, I personally don't have any concerns about the moment or the pressures of the moment headlining at home, closing out the first UFC event in Paris, which I know was a big deal to him as we spoke about earlier in the week. I think he actually goes out there and has a really great performance. I don't know that he necessarily finishes. If he does, I think it happens in the later stages of the fight, probably on the ground. But I think when the smoke clears, when the dust settles, dust settles, smoke clears, whatever it is, Cyril Ghan emerges with his, his hand raised triumphant at home and enjoys the celebration that he's looking forward to with his teammates, his friends, his family on Saturday night. Co-main event, Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori. I think this is a pretty clear fight for Robert Whitaker. Again, as always, there are ways to victory and paths to victory for the other person in every fight, the person I pick against in every fight. And in this case, there are ways for Vittori to win. He can, if Rob is just having an off night, go out and wrestle him, go out and just kind of clinch up and beat him along the fence and, and make it grimy against the cage. But I don't think that's going to happen. Rob seems in very good spirits this week. He seems very focused and very kind of invigorated to be out there and competing again. And I think Marvin Vittori is the kind of fighter that plods forward and will give Rob plenty of opportunities to cut angles, to throw different strikes, to mix in some takedowns, to just showcase all of the things that make him the clear number two in this division. I think there's a little bit of a possibility that this, this really shows us the difference between Israel Adesanya, Robert Whitaker, and then everybody else at middleweight. Because right now, Marvin Vittori's kind of the third in line. He's the next in line behind those two. And I think we see on Saturday that it's a big gap. It's a big difference between Rob Whitaker and Marvin Vittori. I think he styles on him for 15 minutes. I think he can work at a good clip at a quick pace because it is only 15 minutes. It is just a three-round fight. And so I think we see Whitaker get his hand raised, get back in the win column after the loss to Izzy earlier this year, and sort of maintain his position as the number two in the middleweight division. Another middleweight fight before that, Alessio DeChirico against Roman Kapilov. I just, I don't have a ton of analysis for this one in terms of X's and O's and who does what and who is better in what position. This is this is a field pick to me, and the pick is Alessio DiCirico. I just think what we've seen from Kapilov has not been, been enough. And while DiCirico hasn't been great either, we've at least seen some moments. We've at least seen him have success inside the octagon. Now, I think his fight IQ is not the greatest. I think he's a little bit robotic and a little bit static in his movements, but he's got some pop. He's fighting in Europe for the first time in the UFC in a long time. He will certainly have friends and family in attendance in Paris. Again, it's one of the draws of, of being in Europe is these European athletes can have friends, families, coaches, all of that surrounding them to be at their best. And I think we just see DiCirico go out and have 
a better performance than he's had in a while, sort of not probably not quite the performance he had against Joaquin Buckley, where he knocked him out in the first round, but something similar to, and I know he lost this fight, but similar to the Kevin Holland fight where we saw little bits and pieces of good work from DeChirico, unless Roman Kopilov has totally switched up his game and added things and really kind of taken another step forward since his last appearance, I think Lonzo should go out, get a win on Saturday, get back in the win column, and move forward from here. Lightweight fight, John McDessie, Nasrat Hakparast. I talked about Hakparast and sort of my skepticism about him earlier in the week, my question about whether I'm being too critical about him because he is still only 27, and that's not necessarily time to write somebody off when they haven't cleared that important hurdle to sort of get into the top 15. I do think he gets a victory on Saturday. I don't know if it's going to be the blow-me-away performance that I think I need in order to get all the way back in, in order to get another ticket for the bandwagon. But I do think he gets a win. McDessie has always, to me, felt a little undersized for the division. He seems far too content to hang out just outside of range, throwing kicks, throwing, you know, spinning stuff that doesn't necessarily land and allowing guys to dictate the terms. And I think Hackbarast coming in off two straight losses will very much understand that he needs to go out here and dictate the terms of engagement against John McDessie. He can't let John McDessie hang around similar to the way Ignacio Bahamandes did in his debut, right? Had this huge reach advantage, huge length advantage, ability to kind of physically impose himself on John McDessie, didn't, and ended up catching a split decision loss. I think Hackbarast will understand that. I think his coaches and his team will have him geared up to go out there and have a good performance. I think he works behind the jab, mixes some shots to the body well, gets a victory, doesn't quite convince me to get back on the bandwagon, but will at least have me, you know, waiting at the bus stop for the next time the bus comes around and, and we'll look at it again then. Featherweight fight, second of two on the main card. The opener is a featherweight fight as well. William Gomi against Yarno Aarons. As I said earlier in the week, I think this is a showcase opportunity for William Gomi, who goes out and gets a finish and looks great doing so. That, again, is not a knock on Yarno Aarons. That is just a, from what I've seen of the two of them, from where they've competed, the level of opponents they've faced, the results they've turned in, everything I see tells me William Gomi wins this fight. He probably wins this fight by, by stoppage. And it very well probably comes in the first round. This feels like a setup. And I, as I said earlier in the week, as I said in one question, I'm really interested to see if he can sort of thrive in this moment or if this moment becomes a little too much for him. I'm going to bank on the thrive side of things. I'm going to bank on Fernand Lopez having him ready. I'm going to bank on being at home, filling him with energy and focus as opposed to filling him with nerves and a lack of attention. And we'll see William Gomi go out and get a victory in his UFC debut. Main card opener, as I said, also in the featherweight division. Charles Jordan, Nathaniel Wood, an absolute banger of a fight. This is one that's tough for me because I think Nathaniel Wood fits in this division. I think he's a I think he's a good good addition to this division. And I'm not 
all that worried actually about the three inch height difference because I don't know for sure yet that Charles Rodin fights in a way to impose his physical will on people. I don't know that he necessarily is going to come out here and big brother anybody. It's not a hundred percent the way he fights. What I do think, however, is that he's got a little bit more power. He's got a little bit more diversity to his game. And he's going to be able to draw Nathaniel Wood into his type of fight. Now, there's very much a chance that Nathaniel Wood makes the right decisions in this fight. And every time Charles Rodin comes forward and says, let's just brawl, let's climb in this phone booth and have at it, Wood says, nah, I'm fine, mate. I'm going to step back here. We'll reset. And we want to keep this technical. I'm going to work low kicks. I'm going to throw long, long strikes. And we're going to stay out of the real messy bit. And if he does that, he has a very good chance to win. But I have a feeling that Charles Jordan will come forward enough and be in his face enough and invite him to get into a scrap enough that Nathaniel Wood will eventually oblige. And that favors Charles Jordan, who has more power, as I said, who is a more sort of sudden and dynamic finisher than Nathaniel Wood is in terms of both being able to stop him on the feet and potentially find a submission if it's there. Not that not that Wood doesn't have a very good opportunistic front headlock game, as Harry talked about on the Severe Preview Show. But I just think overall, in those moments, Charles Rodin is a little bit quicker, a little bit better, a little bit sharper in terms of seeking out and, and finishing those fights. Similar to what we saw in, in the Lando-Venata fight, right? Lando looks to wrestle, he gets hurt, he looks to wrestle his way back up, and before he knows it, neck is tied up and we're done. I think this is going to be a great fight. It's my pick for fight of the night, even if it doesn't go the distance. I think it will be wildly entertaining, and I think the French-Canadian will bring home a victory. Move to the prelims. We'll run through these a little bit quicker. Final preliminary card fight, middleweights, Abbas Megamedov and Dustin Stoltzfus. This is my one underdog pick of the night. Dustin Stoltzfus, sorry, not my one underdog pick. There's one more a little later. But I like Dustin Stoltzfus here. I think he benefits from, from getting the victory. I think he benefits from just being the more active of the two. I'm very interested to see what Abbas Magomedov, again, I'm stumbling over it, looks like after a couple of years off, after not facing great competition the last couple times out, after getting knocked out the last time he faced quality competition in Lewis Taylor back in the PFL finals. And I just think the ability to fight in Europe with all of his coaches in his corner, kind of making a quick return, gives Dustin Stoltzfus all the things he needs to come out and get a second straight win and cash an underdog ticket if you're so inclined. Lightweight fight for SAM, Michal Figlak. I'm going with the debutante. I'm going with Figlak. I think it will be a grimy, kind of grind it out, show you a little bit of everything, get you intrigued, make you sort of take note, maybe put a little asterisk next to his name for later. He's 8-0. It's a good chance to come in and get a good win over, you know, a, a guy that's got some experience in the UFC but isn't so far ahead of him that it's it's an unwinnable fight. I think the newcomer looks good and gets the job done. Another middleweight matchup, the first of four on the night, Nasruddin Imavov, Joaquin Buckley. As you can assume, given that he was my fighter to watch this week, I am picking Imavov. I think he wrestles. I think he showcases a little bit of everything in this fight. 
And I hope that he gets on the mic afterwards and says, okay, I want a top 10 opponent. Give me somebody that's ranked. Don't keep giving me these guys that I'm just going to run through, that I'm just going to dominate. I want to be tested. I want to move forward. Let's F and go. I think he's, I think he's legit. I think he's legit. And in a division where we need young talent climbing the ranks and fresh names moving into the top 10, he's one that I think can do it. I think a good win on Saturday that he goes out and gets, puts him in that mix. Lightweight's Benoit Saint-Denis against Gabriel Miranda. Obviously, as one of the residents of Saint-Denis Island, I'm picking my guy. I'm picking the god of war, former paramilitary man. I think he goes out and finishes. This is another one of those those instances where, you know, Miranda hasn't fought in a little bit. He's a little bit older, hasn't ever fought. Really great competition, really strong. Not that Benoit Saint-Denis has or is great competition, but this, just when you look at it, we're going to get a graphic at some point in this fight saying with a six-year age difference, the younger fighter is has won 73% or whatever it is. And I'm going to write that number down when we're done, just in case that is the number and I've pulled it out of a hat. But I just think from what we saw, both in terms of durability in the Elise Zuzaleski fight and dominance in the Nicholas Stolze fight, now fighting at home, can't be betting against Benoit Saint-Denis here. Bantamweights, Khalid Taha, Christian Quinones. This is the other upset pick I'd like. I'm going with Quinones, who got a victory on the Contender Series last fall. Fights out of the Entrum gym. It's just another one of those fighters. Entrum had a number of fighters go through Contender Series last year, graduate to the UFC. It has been mixed results since they've gotten to the UFC. But I just think Christian Quinones is, is probably a little bit better than Khalid Taha everywhere. There hasn't been much that Taha has shown me in his UFC run that's really stood out, that's really made me believe in this guy as somebody that can continue to post victories or even post victories. I believe he's only got one in five starts in the UFC. And so in a, in a matchup where it feels as much as it is a debuting fighter against somebody that's been in there five times, it's not like Taha has been super active over the course of the last couple of years. I believe those five fights or four fights are spread out over four or five years. I think Quinones comes out, sharp training camp, works with a good team, comes across to France and gets a victory in his UFC debut. Then in the opener, Stephanie Egger, Eileen Perez. I'm going with the Swiss judoka. As much as I, you know, want to see and, and actually probably genuinely hope that Eileen Perez dominates delivers on all of her tough talk and then jumps on the mic on Saturday and says, I told everyone, September in, in Paris, December, Amanda, let's go. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Stephanie Egger is too skilled, too talented, too experienced to lose to a fighter who hasn't faced very good competition on the way to this point. And I think she jumps in, gets back in the win column, puts the situation and the loss to Mayra Buena Silva in the rearview mirror gets a victory on Saturday. So far this year, so you know, just so you're always sort of abreast of things and, and my results so far in the year through UFC 278 in Salt Lake City, 225 victories, 125 losses, two draws, one no contest for a 0.637 win percentage. My goal in doing predictions is always 70%. That's the like high-end target that I want to hit. I say that and you're probably thinking, well, why don't you want to be perfect? 
of course, we all want to be perfect, but a perfect night and a perfect year just isn't going to happen. So I try to set a little bit more realistic goals. That goal is a 700 winning percentage. We're at 637 right now. It's been mostly a good year. This is how difficult it is to pick winners and hit that number. I'm 100 fights to the good, and I'm still nearly 70 points away from hitting my target. But that's the number coming into this. Hopefully we put up, you know, 9, 10, 11 winners on Saturday. Bump that number up a little bit. I hope you enjoyed this. As I said off the top, Dan Urban, this is for you. We will continue to do this. I'm sure Harry is going to put together a banner that we can have PDP on here and probably the number, probably the results going into the year. I appreciate all of you guys. I know we got another comment on the on the 10 things for Paris. It means the world to me. And, and this is going to sound sappy. And I know I've been saying these things a lot at the end of these, these videos and these podcasts lately. I was real hesitant about doing this stuff for a long, long time because A, I took a great deal of pride in my writing. I still do. And I was kind of gun shy about jumping on camera and putting myself out there the way that you have to for this. This is very foreign to me. This is not something I come by supernaturally. It's taken time. The guys at Severe have really helped me with that by letting me be on the preview show every week. And Sean by letting me be on some of the stuff on SureDog and things like that. Doing more of it has made me more comfortable. The push from them has made me more comfortable, but also the support from all of you has made me more comfortable and want to do this more often. So truly, genuinely, thank you. I appreciate it. All of the support, all of the comments, all of the feedback truly means the world to me. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for following. Like, subscribe, rate, review, all of that stuff. It helps in terms of visibility of the platforms. It helps in terms of moving the show up the ranks in terms of the, you know, Apple podcasts and things like that. We are trying to get going forward. We are trying to bring more and more people into the fold so that they can enjoy this content as well. For now, I wish you good luck on Saturday. I'll talk to you soon.